0: Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show.
1: Today we're bringing you part two of an interview that was originally aired on Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk a few years back. Ryan Dobson, Doc's son, conducted this interview with Eileen and me. You'll get to know a little bit more about my story and gain an understanding of why we do what we do at All Things Possible Ministries. If you want to find out more about Dr. Dobson and his ministry that has touched countless families over the years just go to drjamesdobson.org let's get to the interview now as ryan dobson kicks off this conversation on this edition of the victor mark
0: show i'm ryan dobson and today we get to continue one of the most powerful stories of redemption i've ever heard victor marx was abused as a child and at five years of age was left for dead in a commercial freezer And I wish I could say those were the worst things he's dealt with, but unfortunately his life continued to be marred by more abuse, torture, and eventually a horrible case of PTSD. But God was not done with Victor, and he had big plans for his life. He transformed him from a victim of abuse to the founder of a prison ministry for juvenile delinquents. In fact, that's where our story is going to pick up today. Victor, last time you were telling us about your first speaking engagement in a prison where you were planning on doing a martial arts demonstration in front of a bunch of kids and feeling totally out of place. Well, and, and, and that's when So your first time yeah, you're, you're g- going to do a martial g- arts instru- in demonstration in front of 75 kids that yeah. are looking at you like, Mm. Yeah,
1: White Wonder Bread. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh my. So I do a Noon Chug demo where I I had someone hold a pencil in their uh, hands and mouth. And I knocked the pencils out of their hands. And then I went for the mouth. And I had a messed up shoulder. Anyway, I missed. I blew it. And I hit the guy on his chin. Yeah, split him open. A kid? It was actually some. Oh, one of the the helpers? Yeah, that came and split him open. Your first time? First time. Your
0: first First time. First event. Oh, my goodness, and Victor. i I
1: never hit anybody with a pair of nunchucks in the face. In, well, intentionally, right? Yeah, unintentional. So I'm like, oh, and this guy's just womb. And I didn't even know what to do. He's just whack, whack. And then I went, okay, don't move. And then I swung again and knocked it out while he just starts bleeding. That's the craziness of uh, me. The crowd, here's what's crazy. All these kids are looking at me at first like, what are you going to talk about? After I hit this guy, they were all like, this dude is crazy. Karate preacher, man, he is crazy. And I had their attention. Yeah. So, you know, God even turned my mess up for good where I shared my story for the first time, mm-hmm. really shared my story. Because, I, you know, I didn't want to share it in a church. Church people can be weird sometimes. You know, I was like, these kids get me. Yeah. They're, they're not going to judge me. And I told them about the abuse and the craziness and the, all that. Fifty-three of those kids gave their life to Christ that day, stood and gave. And here's what blew me away. Three months earlier, three months earlier, uh, I went out on a date with my wife. We're pulling out Uh of the mall in our vehicle, Carlo the Gangbanger, you know, from the south. It pulled up, and they had the music, and it was the kind where you just say, just look forward. And I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell them about me. Tell these? No. And this is three months before I go into youth prison, right? So I asked my wife. I said, I feel like God's telling me. She said, well, do it. My wife's always like, (laughs) follow God. Well, why, why are you even asking me? Just do it. So I bump on the horn, roll down the window. Uh, my wife leans back. I look at the guy. I said, hey, man, pull over. I want to talk to you. He goes, they all look at me. He goes, and he laughed and turned the music up. And I was like, Lord, your servant was willing. Bless me now. Yeah. You know? And he said, you do better than that. I look in the back. See one of those kids got a big ballast on the knife out. Yeah. And I'm thinking, here we go. Bumped the horn. He rolls down and went, what? I said, pull over, man. He goes, I ain't pulling over. I said, were you afraid of an old man? They went, I mean, right across the way. I pulled up next to him. Eileen's praying. I get out. They all pile out. They come charging at me to fight. And I said, whoa, 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 stop, stop. I said, stop. I I saw you had a knife. He goes, well, were you a cop? I said, no, but I'm a master of martial arts. I don't want to show you how to open and close that the right way. And they were stunned. I mean, I think they were more stunned than if I would have been a police officer. I said, go get it. Was your
0: heart just pounding in your chest. Yeah. I mean, what are you thinking? Well, You're in the car praying and you got a whole carload of gangbangers yeah. running at your husband. But you know, Victor. Who wants is... to say, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah. Yes. But he's always been like that. He's always done the things that people don't do. Crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, I was praying. I mean, <laughs> I, I may
1: end up one day getting killed for it, but I'll, I'll be trying in my obedience. That guy went and got a knife. He got it for me. Brought it. I do a demonstration with it. <laughs> And you know what? I was able to share Christ with those guys. Three of them let me pray for them right there. And another kid came up on the street, starts cussing me and comes at me. Doesn't even know me. But he's cussing me, and they grab him. And they're like, hey, man, this dude's okay. This dude's okay, right? And I said, why are you so angry, young man? I ain't angry. And he said, don't tell me about God. If you would have known my life, God would have never. And that's the thing people say. If God is so good, why did he put me through? Mm -hmm. And you know what? We left that night. Three months later, I'm in that youth prison. 75 kids, 53, except the Lord. Guess who's there? That one kid at the end who came at me. No way. He's locked up, and guess who raised his hand to give his life to Christ? Oh my and we were handing out Bibles, and he wanted me to sign it. I said, hey, man, because he had big hair. I'll never forget. I said, hey, man, you remember me? He said, yeah. I said, I remember you. I said, but I need to ask you, why tonight? Why today are you giving your life to Christ? And he looks at me, he said, man, you told me Jesus could live his life through me. He said, I'm tired of living my life for myself. Mm-hmm. And that dude gave his life to Christ. Wow. That's when we knew God is calling us to do this. And we've been doing it now 11 years, man, oh, 11 goodness. years. And the main thing we need from folks is to pray for us yeah. because the devil hates that we mess with his future army. Yep, mm-hmm. it's true. But Jesus tells us to go, so we are.
0: Yeah. How many facilities do you go to a year, you think?
1: I mean, one year I spoke 120 times, which was nuts. Yeah. And that's why we end up uh, getting a bus. Uh So I know right now we're in over 400 facilities in the U.S., either by my presence, book, or film. Okay. And then, you know, we're constantly getting letters from kids uh, because they write us. They share their heart.
0: I've seen that. It's in your film. You've got notebooks with every letter you've ever received, and you write back to every kid. How many letters have you gotten, you think?
1: Thousands. I mean, I we're probably close to 6,000 now. And <laughs>
0: you write all those kids back?
1: Yeah. You know, we tried in the beginning to send like a form letter typed out. Mm. When I say form letter, my assistant typed out my words. Yeah. And a kid sent it back. And he wrote on the back of it. He goes, is this really you? Because we're used to form letters. Right. Yeah. Man, I wrote back. I think it was in crayon. Yes, it's me.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't write good. My spelling's horrible. my grandma's worse, you know? But from that point on, I started writing those kids, wow. and it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to them.
0: You know, Victor, I was going to ask you when you started the story, after you hit a guy
1: uh, yeah. on accident, yes.
0: how could you go back? You know, you pull over a car, gangbangers, this kid comes up. Three months later, you're in your first lockup facility with kids. Right. Uh, it starts off not good, not great, and then 53 kids come to the Lord, including that kid. Yeah. That was so angry yeah my goodness how could you not go back
1: when well, that's exactly it what keeps pulling me back is hope mm-hmm. the look of hope in their eyes yeah and that they give their life to christ and you know we we see a lot of fruit right there's always a lot of fruit where we go so people go now are these real conversions and this i go hey you know what I'm just proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, That's between them and the Lord. Well, what happens when they get out? I go, well, our ministry is not large enough to disciple every kid when they get out. Sure, That's for the rest of the body of Christ to do. But I know this, the letters, uh, and when I have seen kids on the free, I mean, I've got letters now that just say, my life was changed, either by hearing your yeah. story or reading it or watching it. That's what keeps compelling us is the love of mm-hmm. God to continue to give kids hope.
0: So how long after that did you start All Things Possible, the ministry that you're running now? Yeah. I mean, this was brand new. Brand new. So how did you even get invited to go to a lockup? Did someone just call you and say, hey, can you come here and do this? And you went, Yeah, uh, someone, okay. had,
1: someone had heard part of my story, mm-hmm. you know, and they told another guy, hey, I think you ought to have this guy come and talk to those kids. And we were not looking to start a ministry. I wasn't looking to go and reach juvenile offenders. Uh, but when those kids actually 53 raised their hand, they stood up. Yeah. I made them sit back down. I said, wait, wait, something's not right. Uh, Cause it didn't even, it was surreal. Yeah, I was like, this really means you can be forgiven, but you need to follow Christ. You want to become his disciple. Cause I believe in being a disciple, right? right? Yep. And, uh, and I said, now if that's really what you mean, stand up. If that's real business and this is what you boom, 53 stood up. I prayed with them and then I walked over to the warden and I said, "Uh sir, help me out. Does this happen at all do they just respond and he had tears rolling down whoa, his face. Wait. He said, "Victor, I am a Christian." He said, "I've been praying that someone would be able to reach these kids. They're so hard." And he goes, "You are the answer to that prayer." And that was so heavy. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, wait. Yeah, wait."
0: The gravity just all of a sudden yeah, took hold. It did.
1: So we will continue mm-hmm. to reach in whatever way—speaking, film, book, however that looks—as long as we sense God leading us in that direction, and the fruit continues to abound.
0: Yeah. Do your kids ever go with you?
1: Yep, they—they they sure do. What do they
0: think about your job? Um, what do they think about going into you know lockups and talking to you know hard kids? Eileen, you go with them. I do. What's it like for you? Well, I go in, and my heart's for the girls. Yeah because I have three daughters mm. and these are little girls they have committed crimes and but most of them have been abused mm-hmm. and they're acting out and I love it I love going in and some of our older kids have gone in and and I think they love what their dad does they see that his own life is a testimony to these kids yeah. because they know that his dad their dad has been through a lot and he can relate to these kids I, I love seeing what God does every time. And these children, they still have hope being so young.
1: Wow. I remember the first time Eileen spoke to a group of gals in Texas, maximum security facility.
0: You know, you, it, it's hard. You say maximum security facility, and I just think these are babies. They're babies. They They're baby kids. And
1: that's what people say who come with us. I mean. They they walk out going, these are just kids i said now on the street they're posturing they're vicious they get but when they're broken you just see these are kids who were in a survival mode or, or whatever and a lot of these kids girls especially are trafficked yeah so i mean we deal with a lot of human trafficking in that way of reaching them right so eileen speaks to this large group of gals and i said honey what are you going to talk about she goes i just want to tell them how god views them yeah. I was like, I don't know how that's going to do. These are pretty tough gals. She spoke. It was amazing. Of course, we did a demo before she beat me up, and the girls <laughs> loved it. Yeah. She's pounding me all over the— f-
0: little empowerment Oh, happening. holy
1: smokes. I think you know it's- that was
0: my very first talk? God doesn't make mistakes. Wow. It was the very first one. My very first time talking to kids. It was 1992. Mm. I got asked to go talk to kids, and I, I turned it down. mm, mm. And I called my dad, and I said, yeah, this guy asked me to go talk to a bunch of junior high kids. And he goes, oh, right. Be great at that. You should do it. And I said, what would I talk about? And he goes, what did you want to hear when you were in junior high? Mm. And I'm not kidding. I mean, I was wow. skinny. I was yeah, short. Right. I
1: was weak. Right.
0: I was intimidated. Sure. And
1: you spoke to that them message, what you uh, needed to hear. It's
0: what every kid it's so wants to true. hear.
1: It's so true. God
0: sees you differently than you see you. hmm and, and what you've been told. That's right. About yourself.
1: When she finished speaking, even before, girls were weeping. Mm. And then when they dismissed the gals, they have to get up very, they have security and all that. One gal did not get up, stayed down, hunkered over, security rushed her because they don't know what she's doing. It was kind of awkward. Yeah. And then they got all the other girls out. And then the head of security said, Mrs. Marks, can you come talk to this girl? And the head of security looked at me and said, that is our hardest girl in this Mm -hmm. facility. She's been here five years. She came in when she was 13 years old. She doesn't want to leave. She'll strike an officer. She'll do something. She doesn't want to leave. She's afraid to go back outside. And here was the reason why. Her mom was a drug addict that used to pimp her out as a little girl any and everywhere and she got arrested for drugs, right? This is what people don't understand. You look at somebody and go, oh, drug addict. Why wouldn't she do drugs? Of course. She's being pimped out and she goes... By her mom. By her mother.
0: That's a whole different scenario than if you got abducted. Abduction... Awful. Wicked. Absolutely awful, terrible. Yeah. When your own mom.
1: Beyond belief.
0: When your own mom, the one that's supposed to protect you, care Caregiver. for you, nurture you, love you, teach you about yourself, give you self-worth.
1: Goes against sells you. everything yeah. to get her drugs. Yeah. And this little girl said, I know, she's a teenager, she says, that, you know, at 830 every night, I know that when my door shuts to my cell, I'll be safe. And Eileen visited prayed with her and her big thing was she didn't want to get out do you know what she gave her life to Christ we wrote her and guess what she was out I think six months later she got out and made it in the free and we think about if we wouldn't have gone in Mm -hmm. where would the girl be or we've lost the blessing of not being able to see God working that way.
0: Do you hear? Do you ever run into kids that you met in juvenile facilities? Yeah. Do you get letters. Do you get? Yeah. You know, I'm still doing good.
1: We do. We do, and it's so encouraging. Because not all of them do. No. Uh, no. No. That's the no. truth. No. The How reality is, even if you accept Christ, you go back into that same environment. Of course. A lot yeah. of them don't make it. Yeah. Many get killed. You know. So.
0: I've been to Angola in Louisiana. Okay. With, uh, yeah. Louisiana State Pen Angola and. Mm. You get repeat offenders, and then you get lifers, because right. it
1: happens. They get institutionalized.
0: It doesn't mean you shouldn't still do it.
1: Right. Well, and and that's—I tell people, what's your suggestion? Yeah. I me mean, not go in and tell them about Christ, but it's been—I remember one time I was driving. I was in a neighborhood, kind of in a hoodish part in a different part of the country, and literally, I was rolling up to a place, and I seen a kid, and the kid goes, hey, and I thought, oh, shoot, here we go. Yep. You know, another chapter in my life I'm about to get—he goes— Aren't you the karate preacher man? And I look, I it. and when they say that, I go, where were you at? He tells me. I pull over, park it out. I said, And we had the best conversation. He said, man, I'm out, and, and I'm on the free. And, and yeah, we have in yeah. here great stories. Uh, but God has put yeah. us at the point of the spirit to go in to the deepest place of darkness, mm-hmm. a kid's most mm-hmm. deepest, oftentimes part of despair, mm-hmm. to bring the hope of Christ.
0: My goodness. It's totally amazing uh, Victor, I've watched the film, uh, the Victor Mark story. Uh, how did that come about? First of all, yeah, did someone come to you and say, "Hey, we got to film this." Well, we had a handful of producers or
1: people in the film industry want to make a feature film, and so we, we talked about it, we prayed about it, and I just never felt good. You know, our idea was how do we reach more kids, more people. Uh, and there's only one of me. I can only—I told you. That's my
0: dad's story. Right. He did the original film series in 1979 because he just couldn't be on the road that much anymore.
1: Exactly. So we we, uh, decided to do a documentary film, which I knew would be 100% accurate, and I could take people back to even where I lived, what I went through, and show in detail the story of God's amazing grace in my life. So we did that. And, I mean, when we debuted in theaters— uh, it outsold Hunger Games, our debut night. It was unbelievable. Uh, so we were just like, whoa. We knew we had something that worked. And we ended up putting it in 15 languages. Wow. And now it's on YouTube. I mean, people can still get the DVD, uh, Amazon, our website or whatnot. But we made it free. And we'll send it to anyone in any facility to give the kids. It's what our ministry does. You know, we don't charge for that.
0: It's a great ministry, and you're doing an amazing work. Thank you. Part of the the documentary is revisiting the home that you had to escape from. Yep. First, do you still have contact with your mom?
1: Yes. My mom actually, you know, she came from abusive childhood. Of course. So the cycle yep. kind of continued. And uh, I love my mother. We have a very good relationship. She ended up coming to faith and really— follows Christ Mm. but she had pretty severe challenging issues because of her past so uh, you know you learn to accept that and it's it's a hard part but I'm so grateful for what God has done in my mother's life Mm -hmm. but there came a time where the Lord really wanted me to start getting some healing from my past and I knew I had PTSD there was no doubt I was exhibiting you know nightmares uh, flashbacks from the day hypersensitivity violent outbursts uh, there was plenty physical sure. and verbal ticks cuz the abuse you know we didn't say earlier but you know I was electrocuted yeah. as a kid I was dunked in a tub till I passed it was enough to break my brain and the Lord really wanted to do a healing in me.
0: How resistant were you when the Lord said you need to go back and visit that oh, home? Oh,
1: a thousand percent. I was I like, I can't even imagine. I think I rebuked that voice. I was like, well, whoever's that talking to me, forget it. Yeah. But he knew. I mean,
0: every nightmare you've ever had originated in that house. I got
1: to go back and to you it. I got to go
0: back and look at that room yeah. and remember the stories. Uh, Sitting in the chair with a gun to your head, all in of it a closet, crazy. you know, all that stuff
1: craziness. But I trusted God at least to just do it. And I went back, knocked on the door, and I didn't know who lived there. I didn't know if a boogeyman was going to come out and eat me up, you know. Sometimes God will just ask you to do something that goes beyond your own reasoning. And I love what the Scripture says, you know, it's this peace that surpasses understanding. A lot of times it ain't about understanding what he's wanting us to do. It's just trusting in him and say, well— All right, and he'll give you a piece to do it. So I knocked on the door. An older lady answered it—a sweet-looking grandmother type—and I explained to her I was raised in this home, and she wanted to know who my stepfather was. And she actually bought that home from him. And then she—so when you escaped, that was
0: it. You—I mean, you had no idea what happened from then on. You—that was it. You were on the run on the road.
1: Yep. And she told me, she said, "Son, bad things happened here, didn't it?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "You know, we heard some of the stories because neighbors talk." And she goes, "I'm so sorry that bad things happened to you." And kids. in
0: escaping, you left everything there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it's clothes, furniture, photos, everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, we left it with the stepdad. Yeah. Just go, you know, we we prefer our lives over our stuff. She had bought that home so many years ago. I mean, I was just I was a kid. I was ten, and now here I am, <laughs> late thirties, and she goes up you know what? We gave away a lot of stuff and all that. But she goes, I kept some pictures. She said, I got a picture of you with your brothers and sisters. She goes, I prayed for y'all all all these years. And I mean, I was stunned. And I pointed, I said, that's me. I'm the blonde-headed, I'm that little kid. And I said, thank you for praying for me, for us. I said, your prayers truly were answered. And and I was able to share with her, God had saved me giving me a great wife, had broken the cycle of abuse and craziness. And then, you know, she was uh, sweet enough to allow me to come into the home and actually go in the back bedroom of the closet we had to hide in the night we escaped and actually you know, see. Victor, tell that story. My—it was another night that he was drunk, stepfather's drunk, and, and the violence that goes along with it. And apparently our electricity bill was too high that night, so he pulled out a pistol, and he started shooting the spotlights out around the house— which caused all of us children and my mom to run into the back room and hide in the closet. And we were, I mean, we were terrified. And you hear the gun going off, and he's in this demonic rage again. And we figured tonight's the night where he's going to kill us. And we hear him come in the house, and he's yelling, and he's got that gun. And he comes to the room where we are, and we're hiding in the closet. And my mom's got the door cracked to the closet, and our stepfather has that pistol in his hand and he he says, Come out or I'm coming in. He says, I know y'all in there. And uh my mom started she did the only thing she could, she started praying. Mm. And she said, The blood of Jesus covers the door. The blood of Jesus covers the door. And you know, I mean, I had I'd known of Jesus. I'd been to Sunday school, but I thought, Mom, that Jesus the one I was taught about, he's kind of weak, you know. I yeah. mean, he's just real nice. We need a tough, like an Old Testament prophet, to you know, railing down fire on this dude. But I saw the power of God and the truth that Jesus had to be alive and that his blood that he shed on the cross is real and it is powerful against any demonic forces. And we saw that that man could not enter that room that night. Physically, he couldn't come through an open door. I doors mean, open. Doors open. I mean, literally to the point of he's growling Arr! and cussing. He can't get through the door. And he turns around goes back in his room. And we wait for him to pass out. And then my mother slid open a little small window in the room and just started chunking us out of the window like sacks of potatoes. And then, uh, bless her heart, you know, we we ran wow. and never came back.
0: And all these years later, you get to this house. Yeah. And there's been this lady praying for You found your photo. Looked over you, praying for you, calling out to the Lord on your behalf
1: yeah, never, never would have known it, and it shows you the sovereignty of God that, even when you're in your deepest despair, he still has people praying for you, and you may never know it, and I thank God he allowed he allowed me to meet one of the women that yeah. really prayed for us, and and I'm happy for her that she got to see the fruit of her prayers
0: absolutely. <laughs> Eileen Victor, my goodness, what an amazing ministry and a great story. Thanks for taking time out of your day to be here. And uh, I can't wait to see what God's got in store for you.
1: Thank you Ron. Thank it's a you. joy to be here.